everybody and welcome to Socks on Tap. This is Tony Marchese. I'm joined by Andrew Kinsler. It's been a hell of a week for the White Sox. Today another 2-0 victory over the Cleveland Indians. The Sox are inching back closer to 500, 29 and 30. Andrew, how you feeling about this one, buddy? Tony, I'm feeling pretty great, man. Uh, I mean, having a nice little seven-game homestand where you go 6-1 and one, all games against divisional opponents uh pretty big rivals i don't think you can really ask for a whole lot else than that um especially on the heels of today's stellar performance by lucas giolito uh pretty much what we're gonna have to call the lucas giolito and tim anderson game because that's pretty much what we got today absolutely dude like all we talked about right before this started was how the sacks kind of stole this game the offense wasn't particularly there they didn't really show much as far as threats throughout the game that they were able to capitalize on. Only five hits total. But Lucas Giolito, he shut him down today. And that's what the, the Sox rode that in a Tim Anderson home run. And that's all they really needed. Um, I know they added an extra run there in uh, in the eighth to kind of give themselves a little bit of an insurance run. But, I mean, this game, let's talk about Lucas Giolito. He's coming in here now. He's 8-1. and one. He is halfway to what we thought was a ridiculous prediction in the Shy Sox Weekly prediction blog earlier this offseason where I believe it was Andrew Zimmer predicted him to go with 16 wins. He's halfway there. It's June 2nd. Yeah. Uh, I don't really think anyone in their right mind really could have predicted this kind of improvement from Lucas Giolito. So absolute props to him. So uh, as you mentioned, not a lot from the offense today. So part of that, you know, we will give credit where it's due to uh, Plesak. He pitched very well in what I believe was his second major league outing. Uh, So he did very well, but pretty much what it came down to was Lucas Giolito said, all right, boys, uh, we're going to win this series. Get on my back. I'm going to give you seven plus strong and uh, we're not going to lose this ball game. At least we aren't going to lose it because of me. So um, yeah, he's really been pitching with that flame. He's been pitching with that passion a lot lately, which you really like to see It's It's a, it's a big change from last year. And once again, credit to James McCann, um, you know, it's been said time and time again, but you know, it's, it just kind of reminds me of, um, whenever the two brothers and stepbrothers, Dale and Brennan, just really started to become friends. They just look like Dale and Brennan out there just having the time of their lives, you know. Um, so it's just good to see that from those boys. 
You know, and here's the incredible stat of the day. White Sox pitching, no walks. Not a single walk, all ball game from White Sox pitching. It's in it's last incredible. year Lucas like almost led the league in walks, or he was up there. Yeah. Other it, than, yeah. This is incredible. Nine strikeouts from Giolito, seven and a third, only gives up five hits. No runs, no home runs given up, obviously there. Nine strikeouts. ERA sitting at a crisp 2.54. There's really nothing to complain about here. I mean, there was was nothing that, that he did wrong today, in my opinion. And it seems like that Lucas Giolito has arrived. I know yeah. we thought about this, you know, and and kind of talked about this over the uh, the past few starts, especially when he had that game in Houston. It, this has just continued. He it, this is ca- almost contagious for him. He continues to just dominate every time he takes them out. Yeah, he has arrived, and uh, I'm hoping, and I really do think he is here to stay. So he looks like a force to where, you know, when we really are competing to win the division, you know, when we're competing to try to make it to a World Series, he looks like the kind of guy that you can really depend on to go and, you know, get some of these potent offenses out uh, in high leverage, high pressure situations. So, I mean, not much else to say about Giolito, but he really did give it his all today, as he has been every time he's been going out. So, um, you know, if that man's not an all-star, then I don't know what the word words all-star you know even defined because um he's sure having quite an all-star campaign and then uh we'll bring it into another guy who i think should be an all-star or is at least very deserving tim anderson so um you and buzz talked on friday about how we were kind of craving a tim anderson home run well uh he must have been listening because he got one yes he did and like I said, this is, I mean, that home run could have won the ball game right there. Unfortunately, there was nobody on base. I was waiting all day for the Sox to kind of break this open. Um, you know, it, I'll, I'll preface this a little bit. Uh, a lot of the on-tap sports crew got to go take this ball game in together. Uh, myself, Ron Luce, Johnny Nani, uh, and Pat Comiskey, uh, if you'd like to call that the Four Feathers crew collectively, got to... Meet up before the ball game, have a little bit of a tailgate, and, and then we, we made it inside the park a little bit after the first inning had started. Um, so it was a little bit of a slow start to this one for the White Sox. And then the first offense that we saw was it was Timmy Goyard. And I'd like to credit Johnny for wearing the bat flips are cool and tough shirt to the ballpark today. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, we didn't get a bat flip, but we got a sweet little bat drop there from Tim Anderson after he hit that home run. Um that was sexy. That was a sexy bat drop. It was. It was a very, very pleasant to watch bat drop, especially when the ball is just flying out of the stadium. So I would like to credit the Tim Anderson home run to Mr. Johnny Nani for for wearing that shirt today and having Tim get the job done. Um, but you bring up All-Star. Tim Anderson still hitting three thirty right now. Uh, you know, he, he drove in two today. He got this win pretty much on his own outside of the pitching efforts from Lucas Giolito. But as far as offense goes, Timmy was the man today. And yes, Buzz and I did talk a little bit about this a few, a few days ago, 
Uh, when I was doing the Sox on tap, I said that uh, I, I want to see Tim Anderson pick it back up. The month of May was not as kind to Tim Anderson as April was, but this was a very, very pleasant start to June. And if he's going to ride one of those uh, you know, month-to-month years, I'm hoping that June, this is a sign of things to come from this guy because if he hovered still at 330, I know there was an injury in there, but if he hovered around still 330 in a down month, I can't wait to see what he could do if he puts up another one of those months like he had in April. Absolutely, yeah. I think we all really do want another one of those just historical, almost MVP-like type of months there out of Tim Anderson. Uh, So obviously the home run and the bat drop was great. And another big aspect, uh, you know, that eighth inning one RBI double that brought in Yomer Sanchez – really just the cherry on top, really kind of gave that one extra insurance run to where if things were, if ever, in any some point of doubt, um, especially when you give the ball to Kalame, uh, that pretty much solidified that, that there. So in, in regards to Kalame, he also had a very strong inning as well, so he had the leadoff double, um, but then after that, he really shut the door, which is really what you like to see out of out of the closer role there. So he got his 12th save of the year um, with an ERA now of one one point five two there. So that's a uh, so that's some pretty good stuff there, especially since we've really been lacking a closer for quite some time before Colme. So it's just a nice breath of fresh air to not sweat these games as much there in the ninth inning. No, and this is something that I've talked about a lot too is the fact that having Kalame is so important to this ball club. Andrew, I don't know how many times we've watched over the past few years, and you bring up that we didn't have a closer. How many times over the past few years did we go into a two-run ball game into the ninth inning, and you're like, ah, this this doesn't feel like a win is coming, and then at the end of the day, we're, we're walking out of the ballpark or we're shutting off the game in a loss, even though we had a lead late. This is this is you. You bring up fresher breath there, man. This is this is more than a brush of a breath of fresh air. It's it's incredible to watch. Um, and we've heard a lot of rumors this week that there's teams interested in Calame. And my argument is that's because Calame is good. I love yeah. the fact that there are rumors swirling about this guy, and I don't want the Sox to trade him because look where we are right now. A game under five hundred. He has closed out 12 of the 29 victories that the White Sox have had. That's a large portion. That's almost close to 50%. It's important to have a closer of his caliber on this ball club, and we've got him under contract next year as well. This is not a guy that I want to see off of this roster, and it's important for the bullpen as a whole to know that they can go at the end of the game to Alex Calame, and he's going to get the job done. That's that that breeds confidence in your starting pitching, in your other relievers, everybody around the ball club. This is an important piece moving forward. Do you agree or disagree with this? Oh, I 110% agree. I think if you trade Calame, that really does take the wind out of the sails of really this great run that we've been on lately. So, you know, if if we do trade Calame, who's who's like the next man up? Uh to close things out from like there on out. Uh, I mean, you can make the argument for Aaron Bummer, uh, Jace Fry if he picks it up, but I mean, those are just 
these are tears, just tears and tears below yeah. Alex Colomay. So it really doesn't instill any sort of uh, faith in what we have going on here right now. So if this was last year at this time, yeah, maybe you think about it, but this is a different year tone. I mean, um, what we're at about a 10 game improvement from where we were at, at this point in time last year. We were coming I in think, today. Yes. We were at a 10 yeah, game improvement. I think um, we earned our 29th win last year at about July 1st. So a whole month of games completely separating that. And we've already earned that 29th win there. So um, pretty much like I said, it's a different year. Things just feel different. If we also talked about this too, this is something that we both agreed that we wanted to get into today. The ballpark feels different now, you know, just the feeling of just passionate fans there. Um, it just feels like very, very different at guaranteed rate field. Well, we got to, we got to take in a game together this week. Um, we did. and even then it felt different. This, mm-hmm. The weekday games felt a little bit different. And yeah, we were in the midst of a, of a win streak, and, and win streaks feel good. But today, especially, and I know you were there Friday, so I can't comment on Friday. I wasn't there. But today, the ballpark was full. It was a family Sunday. I took my kid up. My wife and my kid came up, you know, and, and there was a lot of families out there. But there was still this energy in the ballpark today that you don't normally get. I haven't felt that kind of energy in this ballpark in in years, man. And even though the White Sox offense wasn't all that great outside of Tim Anderson, the Lucas Giolito performance was enough to keep this crowd in it. I'm so used to going to these games and seeing the ballpark empty out in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning. Getting out of the parking lot after the game today was a hassle. And you know what that means? That means this team's winning ball games. That means people are staying till the end. That's important. The players notice this stuff. We notice this stuff as fans. I mean, granted, we're we're taking time out of our day to podcast and, and mention this. The ballpark has an energy, man, and, and you you nailed it. It feels different there. This feels like a fun team to get behind. And I'll let you go ahead and talk about Friday because. Man, I, I just feel like this weekend was just such a great weekend. Even with the loss yesterday, this was such a great weekend for White Sox baseball. Absolutely. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I can't touch on how today it felt at the stadium because I was not in attendance. But even just looking on TV, uh, it looked great. But Friday, Friday was electric, man. You know, people like getting off of work and ready for the weekend, ready to have a great time and uh, like summertime shy and just – it felt great. So uh, it's been talked about pretty heavily on social media, obviously. But um, the Chicago Bears were in the building on Friday. And this may not seem like a whole lot to many of the other people there. But I see it as um, just a future connection with these guys. You know, Bears, like uh, the Bears players and the Sox players becoming tight, you know, um, like uh, the Sox players doing like similar appearances at uh, like different Bears games, and then the Bears continuing to do the same thing here. Um, you know, it's been highly talked about the Mitchell Trubisky beer chug, which was incredible, um, and also got the crowd going. So it's just stuff like that. So I know there is actually a relationship that had already been built between 
Mitchell Trubisky and Eloy Jimenez. I think they hung out in the offseason a little bit in Florida whenever uh, the Pro Bowl was there, I believe. But um, just either way, I mean, winners hang out with winners, and that's what I want to see uh, from those types of connections. And I don't know. I just thought it was cool to see the energy and the passion because, uh, you know, there's – a big divide between the Cubs and the White Sox, but I think one thing we can agree on, other than a few misplaced uh, cheeseheads, it's pretty much a Bears town, and it's just great to see that relationship being built, and I hope that that continues moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, even if you take all that that aside, Friday night, if you take the, even if you you remove the Bears from this situation, it was still a hopping night at the ballpark. Absolutely. You know, there there was still activity in the ballpark. Saturday was a massive crowd again. Um, it's good to see the Sox draw. I know we as White Sox fans uh, tend to get into this whole like, oh, nobody goes to Sox games. We take a picture of a full stadium and, you know, you post it on Twitter just because, you know, we all, we all know, at least the diehards know, what it's like to be a White Sox fan in an empty stadium. We know. We don't need Cubs fans telling us, you know, you guys don't draw a lot. We know. We know for a fact that that certain games just don't draw. But when when the team is winning and the, and and it's beautiful weather out in Chicago, you'd be hard pressed to find a good weekend like this where this stadium is not full. There's not people in standing room. The upper deck isn't isn't you know hopping with people. And the entire concourse is just littered with people. It, it was a great sight to see. We know we know what it's like. I, I know you you can't deny it, but you know Absolutely. how cool it is to see that stadium on days like this weekend when the team is doing <laughs> well and the weather is nice. It was just a beautiful sight to see. I love being at the ballpark on those kind of days. I don't know about you. Oh, I mean, how can you not, Tone? But, um, yeah, and as you said, it is a great feeling to see a packed house like that. I think it's just going to keep on getting more and more packed as the summer goes on, as this whole process goes on. Um, you know, I think I, I think it's going to really start to become a hot ticket in town, which, um, you know, is great. Because just it's, it's a great overall experience, you know, um, able to – hang out in the parking lot tailgate before, you know, all of like White Sox Twitter comes together and just even, even like the average family, uh, the group of friends that come, you know, it's, it's an experience in and of itself. It um, is. and it's just, it, it, it's just built perfectly for summer. And I, I mean, I just can't wait for more of it. Um, I know you can too. So, uh, we're just ready to get back out there to the ballpark again, are we? Which unfortunately sucks. Cause, uh, now that we've had this just absolute blast of a week, uh, they go back on the road here a little bit. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm just counting down the days till uh, the Washington Nationals series. I know you are as well. Um, I am. But we, I want to get into one little thing before we talk about the matchup on uh, on Tuesday. I know the White Sox have have an off date uh, tomorrow, um, and I want to talk about what's on tap tomorrow. Um, this is Sox on Tap. There is White Sox news that's going to happen tomorrow, and that's the MLB draft. Um, I don't know if you've done any research on this, so I'm coming at you kind of off script here. Uh, but the White Sox are slated to pick third tomorrow. Um, do you have a guy, Andrew, that you are expecting the White Sox to pick in the draft? 
Well, before we got on air, we saw a uh, tweet out there that said uh, that the Orioles are not so sure on if they're going to draft Adley uh, with the first overall pick, which many people are saying probably one of the best catchers in the draft um, in a very, very long time. So, I mean, obviously if he falls to three, I think anyone with, you know, any sort of knowledge on what's been going on here would like to see the White Sox get him, you know, and other fans will say, oh, what about Collins? What about Zavala? What about Evan Skog? Some of these other guys that are in the system. Um, I mean, this is just a, it's just the kind of talent that you can't really pass on. Um, and I think if teams do pass, this could be one of those drafts where people look back on it and see, wow, how did he fall, you know, to three with the White Sox if that were to happen. So um, I'm not expecting it. I'm not getting my hopes up, but that'd be pretty cool. I think other than that, I've heard a lot about that Vaughn kid, but you know, I'm not as well-versed in the college baseball uh, game there. Uh, if you asked me a little bit more about the Bulls and who they might draft, that 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 might be more up my alley. But um, I, I'm going to cross my fingers for Adley, but uh, certainly not hold my breath. So what about you? You know, I would love to see the White Sox wind up with Adley Rutschman at, at the third pick. Um, I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, but the realistic... Uh, the realistic pick, I still think, um, and I mentioned this on Chai Sox Weekly, is Andrew Vaughn. College bat profiles very well for the White Sox. Um, kind of the, the the scouts have said he's one of the most advanced college bats um, that that is in this draft. So I, I would like to see the Sox pick somebody who can contribute in the near term future rather than uh, a prep product. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of beating a dead horse here with what I said on Chai Sox Weekly. So, you know, I, I just think that the Sox are going to go with a guy like Vaughn. They have always been notorious for taking those college bats. Uh, we saw it was at Collins. Um, and, and college players overall, Carson Fulmer, Collins, Berger. Um, just it, this has been on repeat. I don't see them going prep here. Um even though prep might be a, a, a wise uh, choice for them to keep the uh, the farm system rolling through uh, a little bit longer here with some some top tier talent in there, uh, I just see the White Sox are trying to get to that point where they're ready to get some of these guys out on the field. Um, I, th- I feel like Vaughn is is you, you almost know what you're getting out of him. Um, There's still a, a pretty decently high ceiling, and I feel like he's probably got one of the lower floors here when it when it comes to college bats so that's who I'm expecting them to take um but like you said if something happens and they are able to go get Adley Rutschman I am not going to be complaining one bit not at all but uh we'll we'll have we'll have some sort of reaction uh Shy Sox Weekly is slated to have a draft recap there may potentially be a Sox on tap to review who gets picked tomorrow? I, I'm hoping that we are able to uh, to get an episode out to everybody tomorrow post draft after the first round. Um, it'll probably be a quicker little episode, but I think that would be pretty cool. We can have some instant reaction as to to what happens tomorrow um, or today if you're listening to today as in Monday. Um, but let's let's move it along. Let's get into the 
matchup tomorrow real quick here. Or not tomorrow. Um, Tuesday. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez versus Steven Strasburg. Uh, Lopez comes in with a 3-5 and five record. 6.2 ERA. Struck out 60 on the year. Strasburg, 5-3 with a 3.19 ERA. He's closing in on 100 strikeouts. He's got 98. Uh, Strasburg is dangerous. He is a good pitcher. We all know that. This is going to be a decent matchup here for the White Sox, um, and we'll see if they can get to 500. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup, Andrew? Yeah, so it's pretty intriguing as uh, Reynaldo Lopez came over from the national system in the Adam Eaton trade. So, um, you know, hopefully he comes out there with, well, you know, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, wants to, you know, show that maybe the White Sox won this trade. So, I certainly think so, even just with how Lucas Giolito's been doing. But, um, you know, you would sure like to see that. But in terms of in terms of Steven Strasburg, yeah, you really did nail that on the head. He is a dangerous pitcher, uh, especially coming into this game. He's He's been pitching pretty well as of late. Uh, so he won his past two starts, and most particularly in his last start, he actually struck out 11 over seven innings against the Braves his last time out. Um, so his first appearance against the White Sox since June of 2010. So really not a lot of these guys have a whole lot of experience against him. Likewise do the Nationals against Reynaldo Lopez. So uh, I'm excited, but who's your pick to click? Uh, Pick to click is going to be Yohan Moncada getting the day off, the extra day of rest coming out against the Nationals. I feel like that's that's a good spot for Yohan. Um, to come back out and uh, and just jump back on. He's going to be f- well-rested, fresh, ready to go. So I'm going uh, Mr. Mancata. How about you? Uh, yeah, that that is a great pick. I was originally thinking something similar. I think for this one, um, I may have to go with Larry Garcia. So, um, you know, up until maybe today, so he didn't have – as great of a performance today. I mean, he did have the two walks, actually, so uh, I, I do take that back. He is still continuing to get on base uh, very effectively while still actually being able to man the center field position very well also. So I'm going to go with Larry at uh, the top of the lineup there, hopefully be able to get things going against Strasburg. Uh, in the past, at least in some of the playoff games, I've noticed Strasburg can get a little bit rattled, so... Hopefully Larry can, you know, kind of stir up some trouble with him at the top there. And, um, you know, hopefully the White Sox are able to take two in this series as, you know, I mentioned a little bit today in one of my blogs there that um, we have the two series against Washington. And then, um, well, we have the like two games set against Washington, back on the road against the Royals, and then at home for a two-game set against the wash against Washington. So um, these are games that you really want to win, especially before our schedule does get really tough to end up June. So, I mean, we have the Cubs, we have the Red Sox, we have the Yankees, we have the Rangers and uh, the twins. So we want to get these wins while we can. Um, I'm, I'm thinking we have a solid chance to get two wins this series. Um, At the very least, I'll be hoping for a win on Wednesday because um, I'll actually be there for that game. So flying out Tuesday night during um, 
the first game of the series, and then I'll actually be at the day game, which will be uh, Anibal Sanchez against Dylan Covey. So I'm sure the Sox and Tap guys will get into that a little bit more for the next podcast. But uh, I'm excited for that, and I'll I'll be sure to bring all of you quite a bit of content from there. So make sure to follow me at akinsler25 and follow on Tap Sportsnet if you don't already. Absolutely. I am I am stoked to see if the White Sox can not only get to 500, but get above 500 out Absolutely. in Washington. I think that would be really cool if you got to see it. I think this is an easy chance for them to take these two uh, against Washington. Washington's 26-33. Uh, and 33. Uh, The Sox have a better record. They've played good baseball. You talked a lot about you know uh, chances to win here. Um, you go and take two of these. Uh, in, uh, you, uh, you sweep the Washington Nationals in this two-game series. And then you go in and take two or three against Kansas City. Um, you're looking at a pretty decent record here. Um, and then you've got the Washington Nationals. Like uh, Again, like you said, uh, this is a chance to pad some wins here. And uh, so far, I mean, they came through out of this Cleveland series better than, uh, better than expected, at least from what we had previewed. Um, and, yeah, let's just keep the ball rolling. I don't have anything else to say besides let's go White Sox. Let's go White Sox, Tom. Let's go White Sox, Tom.